Welcome to the Influential Nonprofit, the show for nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can grow their income and impact. Now here's your host, Marianne Dersh. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Influential Nonprofit. I'm your host, Mary Anders. I coach and train nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can grow their income and impact. And by influence, my definition is getting people you have no authority over to do what you want them to do. And that is my expertise. That is my wheelhouse. It's what I love to do. And a lot of that work involves helping people reframe the stories that they tell themselves. And I'm going to share with you a big story, I think, the nonprofit industry, our culture tells itself. And I think that we may have a problem with struggle. And over the last few months, I've been asking my clients and people I come into contact with, like, are nonprofits addicted to struggle? And they're like, oh my God, yes. I'm like, "Mm -hmm." okay, almost always a resounding yes. And so why is this? What can we do about it? Because struggling is no way to live and it's not sustainable. And struggling, our need to feel like struggle, to be in struggle, is causing burnout, turnover, mission creep, and a ton of other issues. And here's why I think we're at nonprofits are addicted to, or at least feel the need to be in constant struggle. I'm going to share five reasons why. In upcoming episodes, I'm going to share what to do about it. But for now, let's just start with our nonprofits addicted to struggle. Yes. And let's look at the five reasons why. And, and hey, if you have more, if you have thoughts on this, I would love to hear from you, Marianne at mariannedersch.com. Shoot me an email. The link is in the show notes. And I would love to hear from you around this topic. I think I've hit on something big here is really resonating with people. And I do feel like when we feel like we need to be in struggle mode. It is causing us to lessen our outcomes. It's causing burnout, turnover, all kinds of stuff. So let's talk about why. So first, number one, it starts with the name. Our industry is defined by what we are not, which is profit makers. We are at our very core labeled in terms of what is absent instead of what is there. And in a country that defines the worth of a business by the profit it makes, we feel like we're not good enough. I mean, so we don't make a profit. Who cares? That's the least interesting thing about us. But because we're defined by what we're not, or really a tax code, I feel like it messes with the the self-esteem of our industry. Being defined by a negative, I feel like really hurts us. I am starting a revolution to rename the industry. Right now, I am working with human investment company. I've heard other mission, like mission-driven organizations. I hear other ones and whatever it is, I feel like we should all just have a meeting and decide because it's better than nonprofit. (laughs) So I came up with the term human investment company. Shoot me an email. Give me what you got. I'd love to hear your suggestions. And also, I really do believe that nonprofit and being defined by that negative is messing with our collective self-esteem and understanding our value and the impact that we make. Second, so that's number one, our name. We're defined by a negative. Second, we feel a huge responsibility to those we serve, a big responsibility. You know, we're the safety net. We're the recreation, the joy. We're the guardians of so much a part of life. 
we make people well, we keep people fed, we keep people housed. When we keep, you know, we watch over children and we care for seniors. And in all of this, we feel a huge responsibility to those people. And we tend to sacrifice ourselves a little bit because of that. You know, you strap that organization to your back and you just go every day, no matter what, because if you don't, who will? And if you stop, will people suffer? And because we're so committed and so connected, we tend to sacrifice ourselves. I mean, this is what I see. I would love to hear from you what you see, but we tend to sacrifice ourselves. And that's just part of the, you know, we, we just accept that that's part of the work of the nonprofit. So number two, we feel a huge responsibility to those we serve. Number three, we've been taught that if something is worthwhile, it must be hard. As a country, I think we're addicted to effort. We like things to be hard, you know, it, and this is way beyond the nonprofit industry. And these ideas, these beliefs, these stories have been implanted in us for a very long time. Teddy Roosevelt said, nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, and difficulty. And Teddy, hun, I gotta say, I'm just not down for this. This means we look for the tough road, thinking it will give our lives a meaning. If we believe in struggle, we create struggle to justify the belief, right? If you got a hammer, you're, oh, you're gonna find a lot of nails, right? And so we feel like we need to be in struggle. But what if, what if, just a what if for me here, what if it was okay for resources, money, people, all the things to flow to us? What if it was easy? What if we found meaning in the ease instead of the struggle? What if we just expected everything to roll our way? What if we felt safe and protected and supported all day long? You'd like, how would that feel? But I feel like we create struggle, we make things hard so they'll have meaning because we've been taught that for something to have meaning, it has to be hard. And, and, and listen, I'm not above all of these things. I have been working, I work very hard you know, on my personal and professional development. And that's why I, I coach and train nonprofit leaders on their personal and professional development so they can move away from these, so they can understand the stories that they've been telling themselves and tell themselves a better one. Right. And a lot of that has to do with ease and grace and flow. So that is it. We think it has to be hard to have meaning. That's number three in the struggle. Number four, we think we must sacrifice our, ourselves to help others. Now, I touched on this in number two, but I want to go a little bit deeper. We think we must sacrifice ourselves to help others. There is a belief that to work in a nonprofit organization means to sacrifice that being shown appreciation through compensation is wrong and takes money away from those who need it. And this view is rooted in a scarcity myth. And that myth being, there's only so much money for philanthropy, so you better get your share. And it's driven by the overhead myth, which is valuing a nonprofit's worth by its overhead ratio. Those two things together pack a powerful punch that we have to sacrifice ourselves to help others. And we often contribute to the continuation of this narrative by not educating our donors about the true value of their investment. When a donor says, oh, I want, you know, to fund this thing and like, you know what, we could really use our unrestricted funds because we want to pay staff. Well, I don't want to pay staff. Da, da, da. Okay, let's have an honest conversation. 
because again, rooted in the scarcity myth, we want to do what the donor wants so we can get the money, sacrificing our true needs in the process and doing that over and over and over again. All of a sudden you're waking up and going, wow, nothing is the way I want it to really be. You know, what we need are unrestricted funds. Oh, we're not getting any of those. Why aren't we getting any? Because we're telling ourselves we have to do what that donor says to get the money. And I'm going to tell you the scarcity myth, I feel like, and the the feeling that we need to sacrifice, that we can't pay our staff well, that that is wrong. That because what we're taking from someone else, when really the opposite is true, when we are models for what the change that we want to see, it's like a waterfall. It can flow down to people. I can't simultaneously tell you as a client or someone I'm helping that you can be anything you want and world is yours. The future is yours while limiting my own. It just, that's misalignment and it doesn't work. There is enough for everyone. There is enough for everyone. I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a minute. So that is number four. We believe we have to sacrifice ourselves to help others, that there's really no other way. That's number four. Number five. We feel dependent on our donors because we don't have transactional goods for money exchange. I think we feel at a disadvantage because we may perceive to see ourselves as dependent on the kindness and generosity of others. Fundraising can feel like a constant burden. And I know for a lot of you, it does. So if that's resonating with you right now, listening to me, you are not alone. And you may feel like there's never enough you know, donors or dollars, or that there's a constant scramble for money because you can't afford to slow down or even rest a week, lest money will pass you by. Again, this is fueled by the scarcity myth. And what I see is that we tend to focus on what we don't have. When, if you look in your past, you may, you find many times when the donors, when the money showed up, the donor showed up, the donor stood up and supported you when you needed it. You know, despite evidence of devoted support, you can find yourself focusing on what you don't have instead of what you have. You know, because that, again, you're programmed for scarcity, you're programmed for struggle. And so, even though these people step up and stand up all the time, you're not looking at that and saying, oh, wow, wait a minute. Like, I mean, like, I'm gonna tell you, I got, when I would chat with people, especially like at the very beginning of COVID, when we're all kind of wigging out a few months into it, and I would talk to people and they were like, we're actually doing okay. Like they're embarrassed about it. Like, no, you're actually doing okay. Woohoo, right? All that donor cultivation you did, it's working. No, they're supporting you. They're with you. And yet, even when the money comes in, we're like, okay, well, that was, that'll never happen again. You know, instead of telling ourselves a better story and the better story is the money shows up when we need it. I trust my donors. I feel supported by them. And looking at and celebrating what you have and being grateful for what you have instead of what you lack. Again, this is resonating with you. It's not that you're not grateful for what you have or that you're not, you know, supporting your donors. It's just as an industry, this is the stories that we've been taught to believe. And I really want us to look and think, how can we tell ourselves a better story? How can we tell ourselves a better story that will give us more grace and ease in our work, give more energy to us, give us the ability to like, instead of throwing that organization on our back each day and trudging in to feel light and to feel excited, it's totally possible. And because I, I see it, I see it, I, I, I see it and I know it and I know it is possible. 
And because I see it and because I see people move out of struggle, that's what really helped me see, okay, what is the struggle and why does it happen? Because once I see people move out of it, I can see, let's look at like, whoa, what were the stories we were telling ourselves and what are the new ones now? And I know these five things may be a lot to take in, you know, the name, the responsibility we feel that we feel things need to be hard to be worthwhile and that we must sacrifice ourselves to help others. And this whole thing about being dependent on the kindness of others. And yeah, that is a lot. And of course, if all of those things are, all of these beliefs are held dear, there will be struggle. So it's, this is pervasive stuff. And what I can tell you for sure is there is another way. And there doesn't have to be struggle. These are really just stories we tell ourselves and we can tell ourselves better stories. The nonprofit leaders that I work with and I coach and train, I teach them a whole new operating system and they find the ease. They let good stuff happen without struggling or second guessing it. They release a lot of these beliefs, like the guilt and shame of doing well, the guilt and shame of having or being rewarded for the work that they do. And they have energy and excitement about their missions, their fundraising and their futures. So there is a way out. And so what I love is, you know, talk about this. Think about in what ways are you, if you are this, like, if you would tell one of your clients, you're the supreme creator of your future, that is who you are. And I'm thinking like, okay, all the organizations that I work with who they're community development people and they're working in communities or they're helping childcare professionals advance their career, all these different organizations that I work with. I think every single one of them would look at the clients that they serve and say, you are the supreme creator of your experiences. And I want us to turn that lens on us and say, we are also the supreme creator of our experiences. We can't let them be the supreme creator and us not be. And we're victims of circumstance. No, that's out of alignment. We, you are the supreme creator of your experiences. And we are, when you're ready to turn the lens on yourself and say, whoa, if I'm the supreme creator of my experiences, how can I create better experiences? Well, first it starts with your thinking. Our thoughts create our words, our words shape our reality. And my career at working at, you know, for 25 years and I help people with messaging. Well, what I saw was if I can create or craft any beautiful messaging that you want, but it's not going to stick, it's not going to work if you don't believe it. And if you don't believe in your worth and believe in your value and own your value. And so it wasn't the words right? That created the reality. It started with the thoughts, the thoughts that shaped the words and the word shaped reality. And so if I would create words for you that didn't match your thoughts, it wasn't going to land. And that's why I really switched my model and switched my work into helping people with the mindset. I'm almost like a nonprofit therapist in a way, professional development coach, because that's what I saw that people needed. That's why I saw if you can't, if you're not communicating effectively internally, you're not going to be able to communicate effectively externally. And if you don't understand how you shape and are the supreme creator of your own reality, you're not going to be able to communicate effectively internally or externally. So you are my friend, my dear friend. I feel you in my heart. You are the supreme creator of your own reality. And the first step to shifting is thinking about what are the stories that you're telling yourself? And because you believe these to be true. All of those five things I read to you, you're like, yeah, of course, wait, but that's just a story. That's not a truth. That's not just an irrefutable fact. No, it's a story. And so you can live in scarcity and abundance every day. 
you know, in fear and doubt and pressure and overwhelm, or you can live in confidence, in abundance, in ease. Not that doubts don't creep in, but you have ways to manage them. Instead of finding evidence of struggle all around you, you find evidence of growth and flow and gratitude and ease. And when you start again, got a hammer, you're looking for a nail. I'm just teaching you instead of looking for nails. Now I got to figure out how to make this metaphor continue. But instead of looking for nails, you were looking for something else. And once you look for those, you'll find those. And then that reinforces the story. And it's just such a better way to operate. And it's such a better way to run your organization. And you're going to show up so differently for your board, for your staff, for those you serve, for the volunteers, like for everyone. You just show up in a whole different vibe. So that was a lot, okay? Thank you for listening and considering this. And thank you for turning the lens on yourself a little bit and just saying, wait, how do I contribute to this? Because here's the thing, if it's about you, you can change you, right? Like you can't change those other people. You can totally change you. And so when you're willing to learn a lens and say, if I'm the supreme creator of my reality, how can I create a better reality? It starts with your thoughts. My friends, it starts with your thoughts. This is all an internal game. I am telling you 100%. I could go on and on and on, and I'm going to save it for another time. I am hosting a workshop this week on just this topic, and I'm going to record it and share it with you next week in the next coming weeks. Any thoughts you have, I would love for you to email me. I absolutely love having dialogues with people. And always feel free to reach out at connectwithmarianne.com. 30 minutes I give to anyone who needs it. And hopefully I can shift your thinking and your perspective in that time so you can start living with more ease and grace. And don't forget, you can go to theinfluentialnonprofit.com and download your starter kit. The leadership guide that I have in there is a really beautiful little ebook. It's great for sharing. And a lot of the principles that I'm sharing with you there, I talk about in there. And so you can just flip through different short little lessons that you can just flip through and expand on this a little bit. So make sure you get that starter kit. And I will see you soon on the next edition of The Influential Nonprofit. Thanks for listening to The Influential Nonprofit with your host, Mary Ann Dirsch. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Also, check out theinfluentialnonprofit.com for more resources on growing your influence so you can raise more and do more.